Philippa said, I'm Ruben, I'm married to Sean, uh, we live in Geelong, we're attending The Hub, uh, a Christian reform church down there, a church plant. Um, it's great to see you guys living here in the community. Um, I was just talking to Sue before the service and hearing about how you're connecting um, with the people in this suburb, that's awesome. I just want to encourage you and say that we're really encouraged to come up here from time to time and find a, a sister church um, doing the same good work. So it's really nice to be with you guys. How about we pray and then we'll have a look at this psalm together. Great God, we thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that your word is real and honest about life and all of its struggles. And we pray that as we study it together this morning, that you would speak to us and encourage us and draw us close to you. Lord, put your spirit in us now. Speak through me. Give us hearts that are receptive and open to being changed. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I wonder how you'd respond if I said to you this morning, and I might say this afterwards, hey, how's it going? I wonder what you'd say. You might say something like, oh, I'm, I'm good, thanks, or yeah, I'm going pretty well. That's, that's usually how we greet each other, isn't it? But the thing is, just because you say, oh, I'm going pretty good, doesn't necessarily mean that's true, right? I mean, you might have had a terrible night's sleep. You might be feeling really tired. You might be sick. And yet, we kind of have this habit where we inter when we interact with people, we, we put on a brave face and we sort of present like we've got it all together. And I think one of the places that we see this especially is on social media. I don't know about you, but if I scroll through Facebook or Instagram for just 10 minutes, I'll come out feeling like the most boring, inadequate human being there is. Because everyone on social media seems to have it all together. You know, they... <laughs> They just have plenty of money, they've got lots of great friends and they're always out partying with them. Their kids are like the best behaved, loveliest kids you've ever seen. Their job is their dream job, they're just, everything is just falling into place for them. Now, none of that may be quite what's going on, but that's how it looks. But I wonder if this doesn't just happen on social media, I wonder if this even happens in the church. See, we know Jesus, yeah? And Jesus is a message of joy and hope. And so, as Christians, we should be overflowing with joy and love and hope all the time, shouldn't we? Right? And so, as we walk into church or into your life group during the week, you feel a pressure to be okay, to put on a brave face, to have it all together. I'm not sure if you've seen the Lego movie. I love it. Uh, the main character is this little guy called Emmett. And Emmett just loves life. Life's great for Emmett. He walks around in the morning singing, everything's awesome, everything's awesome when you're living the dream. And then a little later in the movie, Emmett meets uh, Lego Batman. Uh, Lego Batman is an interesting dude. He's a wannabe musician. Uh, and he's actually been working on a screamo song, uh, which kind of focuses on darkness. I've got some of the words here for you. Darkness. Continued darkness. More darkness. The opposite of light. Curtains drawn. In the basement. Middle of the night. 
blacked out windows, black suit, black coffee. That's, uh, that's an extract from Batman's song. Now, often I think we wake up on a Monday morning and we feel like we should be singing Everything is Awesome when really we want to be singing Batman's song. The reality is that so many of us know what it's like to feel exhausted and stressed and depressed and generally overwhelmed by life. I mean, I mean how many of us, just thinking back over the past week, have had a moment where we said, it's, it's too much. I don't know how I'm going to deal with this. It's too hard. I can't cope. I know I have. I've said that this week. What should we do when we feel like this? What should Christians do when life overwhelms them? That's where Psalm 88 comes in. I don't know if you noticed as we read it, but it is possibly the gloomiest and most depressing psalm in the entire Bible. There's not a glimmer of hope from start to finish. It's a psalm where things are not okay. It's a psalm which doesn't end with the classic sort of triumphant praise. It ends with, in the NIV, darkness is my closest friend. And strangely enough, I think this morning we might find that this psalm is really encouraging. So if you've ever felt like life is too hard, that God is distant, that maybe even you're failing a little bit as a Christian, then join me and let's look at Psalm 88 together. The first thing we see in Psalm 88 is a situation where the troubles of life seem near and overwhelming. That's our first point, when troubles seem near, when troubles seem near. So you have a look there if you've got your Bible open. The psalmist begins by crying out to God because his life seems to be totally falling apart. Have a look there in verse 1. O Lord, God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. Why? For my soul is full of troubles and my life draws near to Sheol. Now, we're told at the start of the psalm that the dude's name is Heman, and we really don't know any details about who this guy is. And I don't think we need to, because the point is, he's feeling totally overwhelmed. In fact, his life is so bad right now that he feels like he's as good as dead, that his life may as well be over. Did you see the way he talks in verses 3 to 5? My soul is full of troubles. My life draws near to Sheol. That basically means the underworld, like Philip said. I'm counted among those who go down to the pit. I'm a man who has no strength, like one set loose among the dead, like the slain that lie in the grave, like those whom you remember no more, for they are cut off from your hand. Now, although it's intense, could it kind of be a feeling that we can relate to sometimes. Sometimes life feels like you're in a submarine and it's diving deeper and deeper underwater and the pressure starts to build and the bolts start rattling and the walls start shaking and it feels like the whole thing's just going to implode. There are so many things in our lives that overwhelm us, aren't there? Stuff at work, study, family, relationships, mental illness, sickness, pain... 
And if these things aren't hard enough to deal with, they also have other side effects. Have a look in verse 8. He says, you have caused my companions to shun me. You've made me a horror to them. He says the same thing at the end of the psalm. You've caused my beloved and my friend to shun me. My companions have become darkness. See, because of the hardship he's going through, his own closest friends have left him. Peter Adams, a great theologian here in Melbourne, he's open about his struggle with depression, which he's had for about 30 years. And he describes depression as feeling a little bit like there is this enormous pane of glass that stands between you and the rest of the world. And so you can kind of see people and wave at them, but there's a sense in which you can never properly connect and engage with them. Maybe you've experienced this. Maybe as the struggles in your life has gone on, you've seen your friends melting away. People pulling back from you. Why is Psalm 88 in the Bible? One reason it's in the Bible is because life can be brutally hard, even for Christians. We're not very good at admitting this, I don't think. We like to talk about the gospel. We like to talk about Jesus. We like to talk about heaven. We like to say all things work for our good, but we don't do a great job of talking about how hard life is, I suspect. But the Psalms teach us that we shouldn't bottle up our pain. Maybe you've been in a relationship where you can just feel this tension building. You know, just little things become big things and you try and sort of press them down and sort them out and keep them inside yourself, but they keep, they keep welling up and then eventually it all comes to the surface. You get it off your chest. You have a big conversation and then how do you feel? This enormous sense of relief. Things just sort of melt away. And that's actually how the Psalms encourage us to relate to God. There's an incredible sense of peace that comes from meeting God and saying, I'm struggling. Christians suffer. Suffering doesn't mean you're a bad Christian or a weak Christian. It doesn't mean that you've sinned doesn't mean that God's forgotten you. Is that something you know? Or are you beating yourself up just for struggling? Suffering isn't the opposite of the spiritual life. Suffering is part of spiritual life. Yes, we are looking forward to this promise of paradise, but it's not yet fulfilled. We currently live in a world that's broken and hurting. If you, if you didn't get that from the news this week. <laughs> and in Romans 8, Paul says that the whole of creation is groaning like a woman giving birth. And he says that we as Christians will groan like that until redemption in heaven. So what do we do? What do we do when we're groaning? Well, Psalm 88 teaches us that our struggles are actually an opportunity to find God. Did you notice what the psalmist is doing in verse 1? 
O Lord God of my salvation, I cry out day and night before you. Let my prayer come before you. Incline your ear to my cry. He does it again in verse 9. He does it again in verse 13. It's actually the, the running theme of the psalm, crying out to God. We've talked this morning about the horrific terrorist attack that took place in Christchurch this week. You've probably heard the details like me. You're probably sitting there just sort of feeling shocked and numb by what's happened. But as I watched the media coverage and looked at the comments on social media, something struck me. Again and again, people talk about prayer. Have you noticed it? And they're often not Christians. You see, when we look death in the face, when we're confronted with the hardest parts of life, with our own mortality, people turn to God. Suffering is powerful. C.S. Lewis says that pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks to us in our consciences, but shouts in our pains. It is His megaphone to rouse a deaf world. So, my suffering and your suffering is actually a chance to see who we really are. We're really desperately weak and needy. It's a chance to see everything clearly. It's a chance to see my weakness and my need for God. Suffering shows me that there's something I need in life more than money, more than friends, more than fame. At my very core, I need God. I need His love. I need to know that He's with me. If I don't have that, I have nothing. And if I bottle up my pain in that moment, then I am separating myself from reality. I'm separating myself from who I really am for God. Sometimes we think that our sufferings are over here and God's over here. Or sometimes we think that our sufferings are in front of us and, and God's, God's there. And if we can push through our suffering, if we can get through it, then we'll get to God and we'll be with Him. But that's not how the Psalms talk about suffering. God is in your suffering. He's there in the midst of it. You find Him in the darkness. That's the first thing we see in Psalm 88, that when troubles seem near, it's okay to feel overwhelmed. It is a wonderful chance to call out to God. How are you doing with this? What do you tend to do when things go wrong? Have you let life humble you? Do you ever admit that it's just bigger than you? That you cannot deal with it? That you need God? You might say to me, oh, that's all well and good, Reuben, but here's the problem. When troubles seem near to me, that's when God actually seems the furthest away. He doesn't seem closer, he seems further away. And that's the second thing that we see here in Psalm 88. The psalmist doesn't just talk about when troubles seem near, he also talks about when God seems far. When God seems far. Maybe you've experienced this. At times where life is at its hardest, you do not feel close to God. Sure, we know the theory about God. God's a God of love, He's a God of faithfulness. The psalmist knows this too. Look at verse 10. 
He knows that God works wonders. In verse 11, he knows that God is a God of steadfast love. But that's not how it feels. Sometimes when we pray, it can feel a bit like we're folding up this little paper plane, sort of flimsy, weak thing, and then we just sort of piff it at the ceiling, and it just flops back down. It can feel like that when we pray. And we start to feel guilty. We start to feel like maybe we're failing as Christians. We, we even wonder if we're really saved. Maybe we freak out. Maybe we start pretending. Maybe we figure we're just going to have to fake it till we make it. The psalmist knows what this feels like. He feels abandoned and betrayed by God, and he's not afraid to say it. Did you notice that? Verse 6, You, God, you have put me in the depths of the pit, in the regions dark and deep. Your wrath lies heavy on me, and you overwhelm me with all your waves. That's full on, isn't it? He's not pulling any punches. The psalmist realizes that ultimately everything comes back to God. If God's sovereign and God's powerful, then He's the one we end up wrestling with. He's the one we have to come to with our questions. Let me read verses 10 to 12. Do you work wonders for the dead? Do the departed rise up to praise you? Is your steadfast love declared in the grave or your faithfulness in Abaddon? Are your wonders known in the darkness or your righteousness in the land of forgetfulness? He's saying, God, I feel like I'm too far gone. Life is such a mess, I can't even feel your love or appreciate my salvation. And I don't understand why you're doing this, and I don't even see how this could bring you glory. Verse 14, O Lord, why do you cast my soul away? Why do you hide your face from me? And the psalmist shows us that this wrestling match can last a long time. Verse 15, he says, it's been like this since he was a youth. Sometimes our suffering can last years. You may never get an answer that you're happy with this side of heaven. The psalmist thought that his life was being wasted. Little did he know that he was writing a song that would go on to encourage and bless millions of Christians after him. He didn't know that. Psalm 88 is like finding a well-worn track when you're lost in the jungle. It's an incredible relief to realize someone's been here before me. And if I follow the path, I might get out of here. Psalm 88 is a model for us to follow. Like the psalmist, it calls us to come and lay everything before God. Do you know those people in your life who you can just be completely yourself around? Might be when you're at home with your family, might be a best friend. And, and you don't have to pretend with them, you can be silly, you can be sad. They're great relationships, aren't they? That's actually how our relationship with God should look like. Completely honest, not hiding anything. Let's be honest, He sees it anyway. The big thing that I want us to see today, the big thing is, in times of trouble when God seems far away, He's actually much closer than we think. Moments when you feel overwhelmed, 
you're actually incredibly close to your Savior. Because your Savior knows exactly what it feels like to live in this world with a soul full of troubles, feeling distant from God. Jesus was totally overwhelmed in the Garden of Gethsemane. He knew his crucifixion was coming. In Matthew 26, we read, his soul was overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Sounds like Psalm 88, doesn't it? And he fell to the ground and he prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And then Jesus went on to experience a darkness and a loneliness that we will never know. He was crucified. The entire land went dark for three hours as he hung on the cross. And as it finished, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And God didn't take away the cup of wrath from Jesus. He poured it out on him in full. Jesus endured the full darkness of God's judgment, judgment that we deserved. We sometimes feel like God is angry with us. Jesus really did experience God's anger. We sometimes feel like God is distant from us. Jesus really was forsaken by the Father. He prayed a prayer of anguish in the garden, and it wasn't answered the way he would have liked. He turned to his friends for support, and they were sleeping. And when they woke up, they betrayed him. He appealed to the people who had taught and healed and fed, and they mocked him, and they cried for his blood. And in the end, as he hung on the cross, he cried out to his father, and he was forsaken even by him. So, when you're overwhelmed and feeling far from God, look to the cross. Because on the cross, God proves without any doubt that He loves you and He cares for you. You will never be abandoned by God if you trust in Him because Jesus was abandoned for you. You will never experience the darkness of hell because Jesus experienced it for you. When soldiers come back from war, they carry with them experiences and hurts that no common civilian can even really relate to. It can be really hard for these vets to connect with the people around them. No one really understands what they're going through. The only person who can really understand is someone who was there with them, someone who fought with them. There's a deep bond that develops between soldiers and it's a bond that's forged in the fires of war. And that's the kind of bond that we have with Jesus. It's a bond forged through the pain and suffering of living in this world. So don't let the hard things keep you from God. Let them drive you to Him. Sometimes, like the, like the psalmist, all you'll be able to do is cry out. That's all you need to do. God rescues and surrounds those who can't do anything except cry out to Him. Isn't that the gospel? 
You don't have to turn off your emotions. If you're hurting, come to God and tell Him you're hurting. If you're joyful, come to Him and tell Him you're joyful. If He feels cold and distant, cry out however far away He feels and tell Him how cold and distant you feel from Him. By God's grace, there are going to be many times in your life where you can't relate to Psalm 88. Maybe that's you this morning. Things go great. You feel close to God. Life's good. Well, what do we do with Psalm 88 when we feel like that? Well, that's why God has given us the church. We're not lone rangers. We are pilgrims on the road together. And chances are when you're not struggling, someone else next to you probably is. So be there for them. Not with cliches like, oh, every cloud has a silver lining. (laughs) Psalm 88 reminds us sometimes the wounds are deep and they will take a long time to heal. Be a steady and a constant friend, a shoulder to cry on, someone who can pray for them when they can't even pray for themselves. Be part of a life group where it's okay to not be okay. We have the chance to show each other the love of Jesus so that no one at One Hope ever has to say, all my friends have shunned me. Darkness is my closest friend. Friends, we live in a world that is full of pain. We've seen it again this week. And underneath the fakeness of social media and the cheery greetings of, yeah, I'm going pretty good, thanks, people are hurting. And they put on a brave face because they're scared to face the truth of their weakness. But as Christians, we can be different. Isn't that liberating? We can be real about our struggles because we have a wonderful, loving Savior, a Savior who hears our prayers and knows our pains. We don't have all the answers, but we can cling to the one who died on the cross for us. He is with us in the darkness. He loves us unconditionally and He will bring us home. Can I pray? Thank you, Lord Jesus, for coming to this earth, putting on flesh and living in this messed up sinful world. Lord, you know how life can overwhelm us. You experienced it. You experienced it more than we ever could You did it out of love for us. You did it to rescue and redeem us and bring us into a living hope that will never perish or fade. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Please help us to cling to you when we have no other words, nothing else we can say. Help us to simply cry out to you to rest in your loving arms, to trust that you will bring us home. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for being our saviour and our friend. Amen. I'm going to invite the music team up and we're going to sing in response.